1: Hey guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of our new cricket series, The State of Play. And this is episode number 2. You can find this show and all our other shows in video format at youtubecom Nation. plus the audio versions available at all the usual podcasting and radio apps and platforms. The links are in the description below. And of course, we do many shows on different uh, different subjects, MMA, football, cricket, mental health, loads of other stuff. Uh, we have expert expert analysts, top guests and more. Loads of uh, interesting people, which I'll, I'll talk about some of them in a minute. Uh, follow the show on social media, subscribe to the YouTube channel, get involved in the conversation. But uh, joining me today is uh, one third of our usual trio. It's uh, West Indies Batsman, Mr. Kieran Powell. How are you doing, buddy? I'm not how are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I uh, I I left. I just realised I left the uh, the intro with the Test match special music on there. I had to edit it out though. When I when I put the podcast out because I got a copyright strike straight away. Soon I knew it was coming though. Knew it was coming. And uh, our guest today is uh, another West Indies international, Middlesex fast bowler, Mr. Miguel Cummins. How are you, my friends? I'm good.
0: Um, been a lovely day in London.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, no, thanks for joining us. It's and uh, looking forward to having a bit of a chat. Like, Miguel, I'm assuming you you're desperate to get back playing in some form. Um, is there any news on when that's likely to be?
0: They've had some meetings and stuff, and I think they decided on what we're going to be playing, but no fixtures or anything have come out as yet.
1: So we're just waiting on that. It's got to be frustrating, got to be frustrating um, So what we like to do when we have a guest Is uh, just to, to let our viewers get to know you and your, your tastes and such Is uh, we give you the Magnificent Seven Which is seven questions, just quick fire questions Just got to say the first thing which comes to mind And uh, okay, so we've got Magnificent Seven for Miguel Cummins First one, Curtly uh, Ambrose or Malcolm Marshall? Malcolm Marshall Dwayne or Darren Bravo? That's Dwayne. harsh, that is. Oof. Uh, Flintoff, Stokes or both of them? Both of them. Uh, greatest West Indian batsman of all time? Burlaro. It's not even close, is it? Uh, Favourite favorite ground to play? Kensington Oval. Best roommate? Hmm.
0: I don't really have any roommates, pretty much. So oh, yeah. I must say, well, I would say my old buddy back home, Omar Phillips.
1: Okay, and uh, the laziest trainer you've ever played with. Trainer. Yeah. He's,
0: yeah. No.
2: Player. One of your teammates.
0: Wow. <laughs> There are plenty I could that could just boom. <laughs> the laziest one. Joey. Joe
1: Millworking. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um we had Kieran done that last week as well, and I did. It was always just, uh, just a bit of an icebreaker to let people know. But um, you know, greatest West Indian batsman of all time. I think it's I think 9 times out of 10 it's going to be Brian Lara. Got to be. But um being a a, a Welshman, I do lean towards uh, Viv Richards myself, but cuz he played for Glamorgan for so long. But uh, you, yeah, you can't Brian Lara though, he's just broke. We're going to talk about him a little bit later actually, but um he comes up in the quiz as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, he's just it was just ridiculous like as, a, as an England cricket fan, when we used to play against the West Indies when Brian Lara was playing, it was just depressing because he would just kind of, you they'd get like a, an early wicket or something and then he'd come in and then bat for three days, score all like 300 and it was just, like, just 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 a waste of time watching it in terms of any chance of winning. Yeah, so, Kieran, how have you been, mate, anyway? What have you been up to since we last spoke?
2: Oh, uh, this week's actually my off week from training. We had a fitness test last week, uh, so past that, all my training has been worth it, um, and now it's time for the body to recover, so I've been sleeping a lot, uh, not much happening. Was looking forward to seeing some Test Match cricket today, but
1: we've Didn't happen. 17
2: of us, so pretty much we- expecting the same thing with the weather report for tomorrow, but hopefully we get some more cricket.
1: Yeah, it'd be nice if we could get a bit more in tomorrow. Um Miguel, how has it been for you in the, in this period like lockdown and just the whole COVID nineteen thing and stuff?
0: Uh for me it was it's been tough, hard. I'm um, away from my family and stuff. Um not playing. It's been better I've been playing, but I haven't bowled the ball since March, since we came back from preseason from Oman so it's been good now to like actually get about running and bowling and stuff now um, since last week so looking forward to playing some cricket coming up
1: yeah that's the thing it's frustrating it must be really difficult as well like not just to be in this you know in the situation that everyone's in but to be away from your family as well it's got to be makes it ten times harder then doesn't it yeah
0: it's kind of tough, but my family's a strong family, so they they're
1: riding out as well. Cool. So, how much of the today's seventeen-over uh, masterclass did you watch today, uh, Kieran?
2: Uh I'd say pretty much all of it. It was hard to miss anything. It was so
1: quick. Yeah, it wasn't. There. It wasn't up too much, and what, what the West Indies still managed to um, to pick up a, a wicket by Dom Sibley. Left one that he shouldn't have, and then um, always looks terrible, as we were just saying just before we started. It like, just looks terrible when you leave one like that. But, um, what do you think his thinking was because it didn't look good?
2: Well, um, he wasn't in the Caribbean on the last tour, was he? So, was no, like he'd have, um, faced Shannon Gabriel before, but that's pretty much what Shannon does is um, get the ball to cut back into the right hander sharply. Um, obviously, his bowling. A bit of pace today as well, which um, made it more exaggerated the movement. But I think what did Sibley was the fact that the ball before actually went away from him. Yeah. So he was probably shaping to leave it, but because Shannon went so wide in the crease and then the angle coming back in as well, he thought he might have covered his stump. But I guess you know everyone hasn't played cricket for quite some time, so a lack lack of judgment. You, know, you can't really kill him first innings back. Um, he'll be studying that Tonight And going into the second innings as well So Hopefully he'll make an adjustment Well hopefully he won't make an adjustment
1: <laughs> Yeah I think It's harsh isn't it If you start um, Like really criticising And going in on players If they don't perform In these Initial return matches Just because It's been so long Since You know Since anyone's Like Miguel just said Hasn't bowled a ball since March And I know like the guys who are playing in the test have had the practice match the other day and stuff like that, but they still haven't had a great deal of uh, training, practice going in, really getting to it. So you can't really cru- cru- crucify anyone if they make a mistake too much. Um, but you know, he does need to make sure he doesn't keep doing it, I suppose. Um, Miguel, did you catch any of that day today? 17 overs of it?
0: Not really. I saw a couple of clips, but I was training. Um- this morning, so I lost of the last majority day, I was I have been asking about the scores during that
1: practice, so they were telling me the scores and stuff, but and I haven't seen the ball. Yeah, okay. So, Kevin, did anyone um, anyone stand out for you in the 17 overs on the West Indies side?
2: I think um we pretty much expected Roach to do what he did, especially in those types of conditions. Um, I think it could have probably made the batsman play a bit more, especially Burns. Um, he's getting the ball to leave him, but it's probably starting a bit too wide. I think that if it came a bit closer, he'd have probably gotten Burns or gotten some sort of an opportunity. Um, so I just think that's something that he'll probably rectify tomorrow, someone with his appearance. And I think the rest of the bowling unit did pretty much what we expected them to do. I think Alzari does it a bit quicker than what I expected him to bowl. Um, especially in English conditions which it's quite difficult to bowl fast so um, overall the goals look good uh, going at just about 2 and over you'd live with that as a captain as a team so I think it was Any, contest so far
1: yeah I think so England recovered pretty well I feel like um, Burns is one of those guys where he'll give chances early on but once he's in he's a bit more difficult to dislodge so the West Indies will want to try and get it him, you know, first thing tomorrow, whenever that is. And obviously, because there's so much rain, there's going to be a lot of breaks as well. So you'd expect it to be difficult for the batsmen because they are going to have to keep coming in, in and out. Was there any surprises in the team for you for, from either side? Uh, I think
2: we pretty much knew that they weren't going to play straight broad. I don't know what came as a as surprise to most people. Um so I think the England team pretty much lined up as we expected it to from the thirteen possible players. Um for the West Indies I think obviously most people would have thought that Rakim Conwell might have played in his last test match, the Royce that he achieved. Um, as well as the reports being that the pit is actually a bit dry down in Southampton. Um so it's also a bit surprising to me that England actually chose to to bat first, um, playing four seamers. I thought that they would have tried to exploit whatever early conditions they could have, especially with the players being overcast and and the rain and stuff. You know, they try and give Jimmy and yeah, the bowlers the best possible chance to get some early wickets. So, a few interesting tactics, but we'll see how, they, how the four days.
1: Yeah, I definitely thought they would bat first, uh, sorry, field first, um, and I was surprised by that. I think the um, the biggest surprise, I think, in terms of, not necessarily a surprise for me, with I did expect Jimmy Anderson to play, but I was surprised that they left Broad out simply because Jimmy Anderson I think has broke down in three of his last four tests or two of his last three. Um, so it, there's that kind of risk there, but and then when you look at the conditions and Jimmy Anderson plays, to not field first was strange to me. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, all right. So there's a couple of things which I was going to ask you guys about, first of all. Um, so uh, the King, Mr. Sash uh, in said over the last couple of days that he thinks... Um, Jason Holder is the most underrated all-rounder in the world. Um I don't simply because I don't think I think he is one of the best all-rounders in the world. We obviously we talked about it last week um Kieran but I was interested what you thought Miguel about that. Um do you think do you feel like Jason Holder doesn't get the credit that he deserves? Uh yes,
0: yes I do. Um he does an amazing job to be honest comes in scores runs come he also gets wickets. Uh, if you look at all um, a lot of the all-rounders they're comparing against he doesn't get enough scores at, um, like a lot of them yeah but he does his job the way he knows how to do it and the ranking and all these statistics uh, speak for the south so if you're going by statistics, he's the number one all around in the world. you got to give him credit for, for being the number one all around in the world. His stats say, his stats say he's the number one all the this. And in the cricketing world, stats say a lot.
1: Yeah, I think they did. In, in, in many ways, I think stats say more in cricket than a lot of other sports. Um, like, I follow football vividly, and sometimes I get fed up of stats because they don't tell the whole story. Whereas I think in cricket, stats do tell a lot of the story in terms of whether it's runs conceded by a bowler, runs scored by a batsman, whatever it may be. Um, Kieran, what's your views on kind of what Sashin has said there about Jason Holder being you know, the most underrated all-rounder in the world? Because obviously we talked about him last week and how good he is.
2: I think that it's, it's all down to the fact that West Indies cricket isn't as covered as much. Globally, as other other nations, you know, we don't have particularly big media outlets. Um, so when you look at it, you've got a Ben Stokes to it. If he makes a half century, it could be amplified, or it's it's put out to the world by so many various news outlets. Um, Shakib Al Hasan, being from Bangladesh, it's pretty much the same thing. Um, as opposed to Jason Holder, if he if he does anything in the Caribbean, we don't have. Great coverage of our games on media outlets to uh, relay that information. So I think that's where these performances get lost in and translated to the rest of the world. But the ICC, obviously, the ones that are tracking um, all the stats and stuff. Obviously, they've ranked him number one for I think it's almost two years now. You know, so um, as that's a say, that's a long period, practice, isn't it? Yeah, the stats speak for themselves over a long period. Now
1: yeah and I think that's that's what stands out for me. It's not just the fact that he does it and he does it consistently, but he's done it over a long period of time and at the end of the day that's what that's what the best players do is they don't just do it for you know a couple of months or six months or even a year they do it for longer and they keep going and they keep performing at that top level and I think you know for someone to be number one for that long, they deserve um all the credit in the world and when you look at some of the other all-rounders you know which are around like the guys which you just mentioned it's a it's a strong list of top players the other thing i was interested in was uh, was t10 cricket which um i read like a little article which basically said that t10 cricket has reignited the uh, the sport in fiji which you know i wasn't massively aware that cricket was big in Fiji to be honest, but um we talked a lot about oh well, we talked about the hundred on the last episode. But um what's your views on the T ten as a as a concept uh, Miguel? The past,
0: yeah, to be honest. Uh, that twenty. I think in T ten like they could got a lot more opportunities for players to so, get yeah, yeah, into Um, leagues, a lot more teams can be built instead of just uh, the tournament of seven teams, you can say 12 teams or Or even add it in as an Olympic um, sport as well to give players the opportunity to represent a country if they have not certain players
1: I think it's pretty good I think um, people are quick to kind of criticize or jump on new ideas or new concepts or things and say, oh, it damages test cricket or it damages the, the brands which are already in place. But at the end of the day, I think anything which helps cricket grow globally and, you know, just generally become a bigger sport is probably a good thing. Um What's your views on T10, uh, Kira? Yeah, as I mentioned last week, I think that T10 is probably the way
2: to grow cricket. If you want to get cricket into sort of the Olympics and that sort of stuff, you know, make it truly a global game because I think that's what football has over cricket at the moment. You know, it's the time for um, Test cricket is obviously for traditionalist people. And if you're going to take test cricket to nations that don't have the basic understanding of cricket, you know, they won't be able to, A, appreciate what's happening, but B, have the amount of time to keep coming back for five days or even a footing match to be looking at it something that's just you know going along so slowly over the period of such a long time. But if you take T10, which would be pretty much just an hour's cricket around the world, that's something that people can easily relate to. Uh, that's something that can grow the game in foreign markets, whether it's um, South America, um, Northern Asia, places like China, etc. Or places like Fiji and those countries where... Cricket could really take off and make a massive difference because you know you never know what new skills players from these countries may bring to the game as well or what new technology the different idealizations of, of the game from different vantage points so it's it's interesting um, to in cricket.
1: yeah I I hadn't thought about that um, that side of it for the like the Olympics for instance is something which I you know I would love to see that one day is have like T10 during the Olympics and you would need a shorter form of the game to to grow it in those areas of the world like you say um do you think that if T10 was to really start gaining some uh some fans and and gaining some traction do you think it could potentially damage other short forms of the game I don't
2: think so. I think that cricket needs to expand as much as possible because the more people you have playing the game, the better it is. Um, as I said, I think I think personally for me, FIFA is the best um, sports organize, organizing body. Um, and just look at how they've spread football around the world where it's pretty much played in every country. And I think um, the ICC needs to take a page out of that book and... You know, you could have different tiers, obviously, because the the disparity between Fiji and our Indies or Australia is going to be very vast at the moment. But, you know, these are areas that they could improve at those levels of the game very quickly, as opposed to bringing them into test cricket, which will take a much longer time for them to adapt.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if you look at um, even over probably, what, say the last 10 to 15 years... Some of the some of the nations which have been brought more to the forefront within cricket, like Ireland, um, like Afghanistan, have obviously done well. But they've you know Afghanistan, I got to say, they're one of my favourite teams to watch uh, in the one day cricket, particularly. But it you know um, they uh, was I'm trying to think of some of the other teams. Hong Kong, I think, played in some of the T20 World qualifiers and stuff like that.
0: Scotland, Scotland's a team as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think no Wales team yet though. Canada, Canada, yeah.
2: Wales, you're part of England. Uh,
1: just, like yeah. Just, <laughs> can't be having that at all. But it do you know what it is? I was I um I filmed an episode of my story this morning with um with Adam Holyoke and um I was talking to him about the fact obviously he was born in Australia but then went on to Captain England and I was kind of interested in whether He found it difficult when he was facing Australia. Did he? Does he feel English? Does he feel Australian? Um, Because he moved to England as I think he was about twelve, and he basically said he doesn't feel Australian and he doesn't feel English. He just kind of feels like what he is. He doesn't. um, He didn't feel when he was playing for England. He didn't feel the same as like the guys who were you know booming out "God Save the Queen" and and this sort of thing. But he also was you know professional and he wanted to win every game and he he found that he wanted to to beat australia uh you know a lot but going back to my kind of where i was going with that is i uh, so i played cricket i was i'm a bit older than I a a little bit and um i p- p- sort of played like county cricket as a kid up to about 16 and then i discovered girls and other things which i found much more interesting but that uh, we won't talk about that and um and then really like I was thinking about the other day is like in every sport I'm Welsh. I, I, I wouldn't say I was anti England, but I'm like, there's a competitive rivalry between Wales and England in football and rugby and in everything. But whereas if I had ever been good enough to play for an international cricket team, I would have, after I think it's under 16, there's no Welsh team. You play for England. Um, and I've always supported England in cricket because it is England and Wales. But um, I find it fascinating that there's, you know, there's a Scottish team, there's an Ireland team, but the Welsh team is still integrated within that under the English umbrella. Whereas, obviously, Owen Morgan uh, played for Ireland initially, um, and then I don't even know if you would say switched allegiance because I think at the time. Isla, the Isla, Irish cricket setup was completely different. But anyway, I am completely gone off on a tangent there about all sorts of stuff. So I apologize, but well, I tell you what, well, I'll follow up to that and I'll ask you guys what I asked um what Adam Holyoke was why do you think like it's happening in all sports more now, but in cricket, it's kind of always been this thing whereby you see a lot of players who are born in different places, but they won't necessarily end up playing for that country for whatever reason. Like you've got Kevin Peterson, who's born in South Africa, ended up playing for England, um, and there's you know there's a lot of the the English players over the the years who've not you know Graham Hick, uh, Andrew Strauss. Why do you think there are so many cricketers? who maybe are born in different or born in one nation and then go on to play for a different nation. Uh Miguel, we'll start with you, mate.
0: Um my thing would be opportunities. Um, a lot of them would not get the opportunities but playing for their country or regional regional team. so um, I think that'd be the deal thing for them to do to go somewhere else and Enhance their cricketing ability and just
1: try to come up in there. What about you, uh, Kay?
2: Yeah, I think it's the same thing because if you look at um, Kevin Peterson, they said he wasn't getting into um, provincial teams in South Africa. He's playing as an off-spinner. And then he comes over to England and he's one of the best batsmen to have ever played the game. So, um I think, at one point in time, South Africa had the best residential team in England that became number one
1: <laughs>
2: um, he had like seventy South African players or something
1: yeah yeah it was um it was certainly interesting, and I know some some people some English cricket fans don't like it um for me i just i think I just feel like as long as you are wherever you're from if you for you know if you qualify under the, the whatever rules are set out in whatever sport then it's up to the individual you know like for instance like adam Holyoke moved to the to the uk when he was a kid so his career path had or his decision to move to the uk had nothing to do with um you know opportunities in cricket or whatever like that it was just his family moved over whereas i think maybe some players over the more recent years, maybe, have moved around to enhance their opportunities to play international cricket, but yeah, you know, it, it is. I guess it's just one of those things. Um, but now you find, I've I'm noticing more and more that other sports are doing exactly the same. Um, you've got uh, there's some players playing for the Welsh football team who we were born in England, which wouldn't have happened ten years ago, but the the managers or the people in charge have just decided that they're gonna use the rules, I suppose, to their advantage and they go looking for players who've got Welsh grandparents or you know, Welsh uh relatives so they would qualify. So they can enhance the pool of players they got to pick from, I guess. Um, there
0: there go there lies another thing, the opportunity would most players will grab at that opportunity because they would not be getting opportunities in their own territory like you say the guys from England go and play for Wales they may not be able to make the English rugby team or so what so say they could go over to Wales and make the Wales team and vice versa for a lot of the, um, other countries other sporting sporting aspects around the world
2: I think yeah, you have sure. someone like Joffre Archer as well that strengthens that point because Joffre um, would not have gotten into a the team.
0: team at the at time.
2: At the time. But now Joffre's a star and it would look like in hindsight how could he not have played but at the time he would not have gotten into the team. So, if, yeah. if without that opportunity we probably would have not You would not even see
0: a Joffre Archer. Archer you
2: know? it's,
1: in- it's incredible to think of, isn't it? Because, like, if he hadn't uh, made that decision or the decision was made for him or whatever it may be, he may not have developed into the player that he, you know, if he had decided to stay or, you know, made different decisions, he may not have developed at the same rate or under the same, you know, coaches or teammates. There's so many different aspects which go into a development of young players, particularly. Um, So did you, were you familiar with Joffre when he was like younger and in, in and around that sort of Barbados scene? Uh,
0: well, yeah, I was. Um, I'm pretty. I'm quite acquainted with a lot of the guys uh, playing now. Um, played a couple with them. Played a couple of games against them. So he was always a good bowler. You know, 19 and in the younger days, um, he had some injuries that set him back. But well, he was young. But he got over them. Well, coming to England and getting the treatment you know, and stuff and working over here with the, the staff at Sussex and stuff, so for me, his decision was a great decision on his part. Um, I respect his decision no matter what. That's, everyone has a right to make out their own mind what they want to do. So His decision for me was the perfect situation for him because at that time I would say he couldn't I wouldn't say he couldn't get in, but it would be hard to push out one of the senior bowlers in the Barbados team and you all know, playing for West Indies, you got to go through playing for Barbados to play for West Indies as well. So, he did what he had to do to make, to get everyone to notice him and be a star of yesterday today.
1: Yeah, I guess, like, so, another thing, which I'm giving all the interview away, which I did with Adam Hollyhock, but one of the things which um, he said about why he was so motivated when he played against Australia is the amount of um, grief and stick that he used to get from the Australian team from the Australian media. They used to call him, you know, all sorts of names, a traitor and this, that and the other. What was the kind of general reaction uh, to Joffrey Archer playing for England? I will
0: say it was mixed emotions uh, for some people. Um,
1: some people who knew him was
0: gri- I was happy for him that he made a decision. Other people who didn't really know him said that, I would say... He- why he do this, why he, he going on he be a traitor and that sort of stuff. But Um I would say as we said just you now, his decision to play for England was the best decision that he would ever made in his life. One of the best decisions he would have made in his life.
1: Yeah, I think um you know, it's by this like the little which I know the little you've said seems like it, it changed his career path for the better. Um what do you think About that Because I know You know There will be people Who criticised His decision But it's paid off For him
2: I'm happy For anyone That takes a chance It, does, it doesn't matter What you're doing Takes a chance And believes in themselves And gets success You know Because um, From so many Different standpoints just If you look at The health Sort of it Because um, as Miguel rightly mentioned, he was very injury prone. So it could have been a position where he wasn't even allowed to have a career if he stayed in the West Indies because he might not have had access to the right treatment, you know? And then yeah. now for him to be able to not only provide for himself but setting himself up where he can provide for his family and all the different stuff he's doing outside of cricket as well, because obviously he's doing a great job. In international cricket, but um, all the stuff he came sort as well. I think we started some um, uh, parallel like um, cricket supplies company, something of the sort. Um, we provide training equipment and stuff for people now, um, for balls and all that stuff, you know. And I think that's really great because to know to have learned the story of where he's come from and where he is today, and he has so much more to do to get to his ending point, you know, I think that's amazing. and one could only wish, wish him well. Not only now, but the rest of his career, and for anyone else that has to make a move like that. Because the West Indies, we also had Brendan Nash a few years ago, and you know it's sort of a reverse product where he came from Australia and played for the West Indies because of Jamaican parentage, and he was eligible. So, I mean, it happens in in some countries more often than not, but it happens. I mean, regularly. Throughout the world, you see, so it's, it's nothing to be frowned upon. You know, it's just it's it's a great opportunity.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's. Um, I think if you've got an opportunity to 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 get to the top of your field, whether you're a sportsman, whether you're a lawyer, or whatever, a TV personality, a radio host, whatever it may be, if you can put the effort in and the time and you have the opportunity and you've got the dedication to get to the top of your field whatever it may be then why wouldn't you do it and i think to criticize anyone for that is harsh in my opinion um so we uh, miguel you mentioned that it was kind of like a it was frowned upon a little bit and it was maybe like a controversial decision in some circles um, which leads me into my question for you, which in some circles was controversial, I suppose. Um, so, you. I, I'm not massively familiar with what the coal pack thing is, so I kind of don't want to get it wrong. But from what I can gather, um, you signed a coal pack uh, contract with Middlesex, which effectively ended your international career is that right is that the way it basically works yeah so i guess my question is like what um what made you come to that decision and what made you effectively you know retire or give up international cricket
0: oh it was tough because i enjoyed playing for west indies um had a lot of opportunities, um, could have had a lot of more opportunities, but for me it was all about me looking after myself and me prolonging my career per se. Um, for me it's like, I, I want to play a lot more cricket. I felt at the time I was just playing one here, one there, get left out, not looked at, not given a, a, a good run per se than others. I could be wrong in other people's eyes. I couldn't. But in my eyes, that's what I thought. Um, so I said, for me, taking a deal, I thought about it for a year. Talked to my close family and friends. I gave it a year. gave it a shot. And then, even though I played a test match before I made my decision, I they already made up my decision that I was going to do it, no matter if I played or not. So it's for me that to prolong my career, I have... A good good life in the um, cricketing area, um, probably for my family as well. Um,
1: so probably
0: those alone was nice.
1: What was the um, what was the general reaction from the kind of West Indies side when you announced that or you told them that?
0: Uh, when it was announced, uh, a lot of people were in shock. A lot of people, a lot of people didn't like it. A lot of people was against it. A lot of people tell me change my mind. A lot of people were like, they can't be doing that. We invested a lot. I was, and My family, took, my family, especially my mom and those guys that were close to me, telling me that whatever decision I made, they know that I'm making the best decision that will support me the rest of my life. So, and I trust my family with all I have. So... Yeah. Me making the decision was, the, I would say, the best part for me as well. Um, I'm enjoying playing for Middlesex. Um, yeah, good um, staff here, good facilities, good people to be, good people around. So it's just for me to go here and enjoy my cricket. To be able to enjoy it as well.
1: Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, I think. um I've always had the opinion that nobody has the right to tell any individual what's best for them because everyone's in the individual circumstances are different everyone's um everyone's goals everyone's whatever it may be you know everyone's circumstances are different, so what what is what works and what is good for you might not be the same for for me or for someone else and it's it's a personal decision, and um I've always felt that way. Kieran, were you surprised when you heard um, like Miguel Miguel's decision?
2: No, i well, and Miguel. Are actually, really um, good friends. So, I'm
1: one you of kind the of knew, knew it was coming, did you? Yeah, I'm
2: one of the persons that he spoke to beforehand, and I actually think that he made he made the best decision because for some reason in the Caribbean, when you when you're starting to approach thirty, they deem it as though you're starting to approach seventy, and you're not <laughs> Um, which is wrong, and having known Miguel from since he started playing for the West Indies because I was actually his 18 captain before he got selected for the West Indies team. Ah. And after that tour, I said to the chairman of selectors, because I was already playing in the West Indies team, I said, you have to pick him. We have a series against Ireland coming up, a one-day series, and if he plays, he gets that experience, and then you could send him back the first-class period, but at least that would motivate him, I and mean, that's when he made his um, international debut. So I've known him. I've known him for a long time, and I just think that the way that the West Indies system operates, um, it's it's based around youth as opposed to um, letting the investment that you've made into people pay off. Which I think now the county system is going to reap the benefits of Miguel, um, because if you look at someone like a, a Fiddle Edwards, who's Coming up to forty now, and he's bowling faster than ever, and taking 40-50 wickets every county season. I think Middlesex are going to absolutely reap the ultimate rewards from the investment. WBC couldn't wait to get from the girls bowling.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's like I say. For me, it's uh, it's up to the individual, and then um, I think nobody's got the right. To, to kind of question that, criticise that. Um, I'm sure there was some people who weren't happy, uh, but that's, you know, such is life, you know, you can't please everyone all the time. Um, you've got to do what um, what's best for you. Um, I did get someone message me a question earlier on um, relating to the coal pack stuff. Um, and they basically said that um, because some counties are signing uh, these players on coal-pack deals, they're dropping uh, county players who have come up through their systems. Do you feel like, um, I don't know what the word is, but like, do you feel any sort of guilt or anything about that? Just that maybe some players who've come through the systems have been dropped because of the players signing these deals?
0: No, I wouldn't say that. I'm just uh it's like,
1: People are assigning
0: county um, core pack because they want at least some, ex, a lot more experience in the team. Guys that play at the highest level, guys that could give some information to the youngsters coming up. Um, just For the youngsters, just to be around the dressing with people that played at the highest level, played against, people that made a lot of runs, played with people that got a lot of the kits, and just try to pick their brain from what I always say. I picked my brain from a lot of guys, so somebody to get the information from me as well. So I wouldn't say um, that is a bad is a bad thing, it, even though I'm, it's it's tough though, to be honest. Some yeah, uh, of course, It's tough, but I think for me, I think for everything is like people got core cool parts because they want a lot more experience in the team.
1: Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you learn. Especially as a young uh athlete or a young just a young person, you learn by training or working or playing with uh people who are elite people who are the top of their game people like you say you've played at that highest level. you get better from playing and training with those people every day um so from that side of it, I can hundred percent see you know see the benefits um to both the squad as a whole. But also to to those young players, um, you know. At the end of it, there's there's always many ways and many angles to look at things. Um, so uh,
0: what I can say too is like, for me, I'm still learning as well. God, there are a lot of guys that play international in the middle set team, like, and I, an example of Tim Murta, He has countless wickets at county level, and and I'm, I'm, I'm still learning a lot from him still. Um, there's Toby Roland Jones there's Steve Finn I'm still learning a lot from those guys and everyone's learning from everyone There, some there's a couple of um, academy boys that know making their way into the first team around the guys and they're enjoying they're enjoying with us even though they're not playing as yet but they're enjoying the knowledge that we're imparting on them some uh, most of the time in bowling in fielding in but and just being around us pretty much interacting with us
1: yeah and i guess like you know all the names you just mentioned alongside yourself um training with you guys talking to you guys every day is um you know it's only going to going to help them in the long term um in developing their cricket developing as people just all around uh, the benefits i think probably outweigh the any perceived negatives to it i think in my opinion, um, but you know it is what it is. I suppose. Um, what's um, so The COVID kind of put a spanner in the works, I guess. But what was um, what were your before the COVID and the break and everything? And then you know we don't know what sort of state the fixtures are going to be in now. But coming into the season, what were Middlesex's aims in terms of targets for the season? Oh, uh, first thing everyone thing is to win the
0: championship that's from the players point of view um, from the coaching staff every, he, the coaches like you want everyone to believe in it believe in yourself believe in their preparation believe in the technique believe that you can go there and score, score the runs that you want go there and take the wickets that you want so coming out of the camp is like just belief um, play as a team and Whatever outcome no one will follow you once you give 110% on the field, everyone's going to be happy. So just go there and do your best.
1: Yeah, I think it's. uh, There was one other question, sorry to go back to it. Um, If the rules were to ever change, would you like to play for the West Indies again if it was somehow possible? Of course. Man, Kieran, you should be playing now. Well, you should have been playing today. I don't <laughs> quite know why. Well, what's going on with that? We can't talk about that yet. We I'm, will one I'm gonna day. You,
2: I'm going to send you the number for the
1: Chimenez selectors. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell him. But I, I, I still, like, when I was editing last week's show and I was listening to you talk about, like, you had scored the most runs and the guy who'd taken the most wickets and both of you hadn't gone in a 30 man squad. And I just look like I look at that from the outside, and I just think that's got that decision cannot have anything to do with cricket, it can't. Like, you learn, just... you learn
2: something new every day, you know. Every time they give an excuse, it's, um, it's to suit what agenda they're trying to fulfill. So. so, ultimately, you have to roll the punches for as long as you can, and then you punch back,
1: yeah. So, are you allowed to? Are you allowed, What were, are you allowed to say? What the reason you were given, as to why you were not picked? I,
2: I wasn't given a reason. I wasn't communicated to with or by anyone in Cricket West Indies. So, I still don't know the reason personally. And it's it's funny because you've got guys in the squad that didn't even play in the first class competition.
1: Incredible. It's but it's bizarre to me, honestly. I um I, I don't understand it at all. Um, okay. Um, so, a question for both of you before we uh, move towards the uh, the quiz: What's the the fav your favourite country that you visited through cricket? Um, Keegan, go. We'll start with you.
2: I'll answer for both of us.
1: Australia. Yeah, oh, you both like Australia, <laughs> do you? Yeah, it's a nice place. Is there a particular place in Australia, or just the country as a whole? just the country and
2: the whole you know i think australia is just good for cricket It's really competitive you know um, england obviously has good crowd support and stuff but australia just gives you because of their competitive nature I guess boy, the ashes is so intense because it just brings out the best of whoever they're competing
1: against yeah just aggressive cricket and like in a good way though like I, and that's what i like about it um so one of the Questions which someone sent in was: um, What's the or have you have you ever been sledged, and what is the worst that you've ever had said to you during a cricket match? Uh, Miguel will go to you first. I
0: don't think I've ever been sledged, to be honest. No. I will uh, fast I bowler, and you don't want to don't wanna upset you. The most thing I've been said was. I bought it too, uh, I pulled too much <laughs> from Veracoli. Kohli, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I bought it for almost an hour or something for not, for z- mm-hmm. so I think that's as much as I could say I've been sledged on, yeah. to be honest.
1: Uh, what about you, Kieran?
2: No, I've never been sledged Um I'd probably be the one doing the sledging, <laughs> not saying something, not sledging in any racial ways or anything. Um, yeah. just, something um just to get under a player's skin or you know, something something in passing a joke or something.
1: One of um one of my favorite uh kind of videos to watch when it comes to like sledging, I occasionally come across it on YouTube know, is you um is the, is the one you know. it's uh Flint off and uh you who is it, t- t- it? He gets under his skin real quick and um it's just the way it all kind of comes together. Like, it just... Yeah, it's incredible to watch.
0: He, he, he riled him up.
1: Oh, yeah. Just just constantly, just little comments until he eventually just went... Whoop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who's the... Is there, like, if I asked you, who's the, who's the player who gets the most wound up or riled up during a match or... From things people say, does anyone spring to mind?
2: No, Indian player.
1: No, no.
2: Uh, maybe Shannon. Maybe Shannon Gabriel. But you
1: okay. don't. You
0: don't have to say anything to Shannon. Shannon could just. That's just but, but you and not but like you. As in a fast world's nature, you get all feisty and all yeah. blood pumping. So that's in a fast world's nature. So Shannon, in the sense that if you play a shot that
2: he didn't like. That's
1: it for the rest of the day, like he's been <laughs> all over. What about um, like grumpy players? Anyone like really like just if if um then maybe they don't like fielding or they don't like getting if they get hit around and stuff. Any sulkers? No one springs to mind. See, no. No, not not West Indian players. You're all too just too positive, aren't you? Like I would say I would
0: try we we were trying to like bounce the bounce out life the picture or
1: something. See it. Yeah. That's Yeah, fast bowlers. Don't wanna annoy them. The ball will be whizzing round your head. Right. Let's finish with a quiz. We're gonna put you you against each other. Um how many questions today? So there's eight questions. Mm. Um, they're all around England versus West Indies. Some are easier than others. So uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's have a see who's got the best uh, the best cricketing trivia knowledge. I think, probably. You reckon? Yeah. He's probably going to a shot. I'll give it he- a shot. Kieran's probably going to Google the answers now. Uh. <laughs> so, first question: Who was the English off-spinner who was bowling when Brian Lara swept the boundary for to score 400.
0: Gareth Batty. Gareth Batty.
1: No, both wrong. Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson. Oh, you're talking about the 5 one Yeah. The 5 one No, no, 400, wasn't really. it? See, if that's wrong, that's Nye's fault because he sent me that question. That's Gareth Batty. It's Gareth Batty. Yeah, i got to have to pull him up on that. He got it wrong. Nah, no, it's a bad start. The quizmaster got the answer wrong. Jesus. Right. Uh, since 2000, since the year two thousand, the leading wicket taker from the series between England and West Indies has been given the Malcolm Marshall Memorial Trophy. Only one player has won it twice. Who is it?
2: Is it a member of this current squad?
1: Yes.
0: Is either Roach or Anderson? Shoot, Brian.
1: Jimmy oh, Anderson. I, oh, I know. It I, I gave you gave you the two because you said him. So I know, awesome. to, I know it had to be Anderson. Anderson or Roach? So, so Miguel is two uh, one in the lead. He's racing into the lead. Um, before Brian Lara scored his unbeaten three hundred and seventy five not out. Who held the previous record and how much was it? Matthew hit.
2: Oh, Gary Sobers, 364.
1: 365, sorry. But yeah, the answer was Gary Sobers, 365, so that makes you two all. And number four. Which England bowler did Chris Gale hit six fours in one over in the 2004 Tugs? Matthew, toast? Matthew <laughs> Easy for you both, this is. going to have to make him harder. Next time uh, So 3-3 three, three. Uh, Which West Indian Became the first player To ever score Two centuries In a test match At Lord's It's a hard one guess. At uh, Lord's Yeah I'm going to
0: go
2: Garden Grinnell.
1: No
0: I know he's won Three W's
1: Do we tell you George Headley. Oh. Nice there you go uh, Question number six at, at Kingston in 1930 England's Andy Sandham Set the record for the highest score By anyone playing in their last test What was it? And I'll give you a choice of three Because it's like 1930 Was it 325 306 Or 314
2: 314,
1: 314. I'm gonna go. 325. Oof. So that was a hard one, though. That was just an, they're getting a bit hard now. So in the in the test between the two sides at Bridgetown in 1948, uh, what did Fofi Williams become the first batsman to do?
2: good <laughs> after World War.
1: So that's, that's, that's a good guess. It's wrong, but it's a good guess. Any guesses, uh, Miguel? No, um. Stumped. He was the first uh, he was the first guy to hit his first two deliveries of his innings for six. See, that's a tough one. So, I reckon you, should, you might get this one. This last one. Tiebreaker. Only one bowler has taken four wickets in and over in tests between England and West Indies.
0: Andrew Carrick.
1: Correct. Andrew Kallick. There we go. You drew. Impressive. impressive. Impressive knowledge. It's very impressive. I, I, I didn't think you'd get as many right, see. And I even chucked in a couple of ridiculously hard ones. But good. One, it's good. I, I, enjoy should, them. I,
0: should have, I should have won. Because I should have said Garfield Sobers. Yeah. Could have taken
1: it. Yeah. Could but, have taken it. Oh.
0: Sport, on Sportsmanic Conduct.
1: That's what friends <laughs> are for. Let you back <laughs> So, i uh, just trying to see now if there's anything left which we could talk about. I think we covered most of the the subjects on the docket. Um, Miguel, are you on social media?
0: Yes, I am. Tell the, people,
1: tell the people what your social media uh, tags are.
0: Uh, my social media is my Instagram is Miguel Cummins um my Twitter account is my nickname, Lamar underscore Um My Snapchat is Miga Cummins as uh, well, pretty much. Why is that your nickname? I got it from my grandmom. Okay. I got it from a young age and it kept with me through, all through school, all through my grown-up life. And it still is, it still is here. People still call me that nickname out to this day.
1: That's awesome. That that is cool as <laughs> well. I like that.
0: One thing we did forget to ask him is who does he think is going to win the series? <laughs>
1: yeah, there you go.
0: Barring the weather, it's a draw. Um, but I'm going for a one-one.
1: There we go. I think we did. We all go for a draw, Kieran.
0: Uh, I'm going for a
2: one-one. Uh, I went for a draw. I think I went for two one to England. New I went for to draw. To draw
1: Yeah. Yes. I think it's gonna get wa- I think it's gonna rain and get washed out. This, to be this,
0: honest, this I, I reckon this whole game is gonna be null and void. England gonna win the first one in Manchester, and Brazil's gonna win the last one.
1: No bad. Um, Kieran, tell people where your social media is. <laughs> Official current power here we go. There we go. Everywhere, and um, yeah, follow. You can follow the show which I set up uh, the last couple of days uh, at State of Play underscore. So uh, give that a follow. As we'll try and grow that, and post clips and stuff on there as well. And um, you can follow Ace Podcast Nation at Acecast underscore Nation on Twitter, and uh, Ace Podcast Nation on Instagram. And um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We have loads of good shows. We've got a uh, former England international, Liverpool striker Emil Heskey, coming on next week, live on Monday. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, Adam Hollyoke and uh, got a couple of other little guests lined up from the sporting world. So uh, join us. But uh, Miguel, thank you for joining us, mate. I Really uh, enjoyed having a chat. And you, Kieran, as usual. And uh, Miguel, you're welcome to come back anytime, mate. Thank you, man. Cheers, Kieran, and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.